Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. Blessed that we cannot pray to you too much. That you want to hear from us. And Lord, we ask now that you would work through your Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our minds. Use your word mightily, I pray, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. How often do you find yourself actually being really thoughtful about the words that you use? And there, there's so many words that we take for granted, aren't there? I mean, some, some of the words are, are things that pretty much only have one possibility. Popcorn, right? I mean, popcorn is popcorn. Unless, of course, you're talking caramel or cheese or buttered. Bet you hadn't thought about that lately, huh? Other words, when, when we use them or read them, we, we tend to have a culturally accepted surface meaning that we just kind of breeze by. But when we stop to think about the word, they, they have a far deeper meaning to them. Wisdom. It's, it's not just knowledge, but the ability to use knowledge in the right way. Wisdom is discernment, the ability to judge right from wrong, the ability to apply what we know to be true. Wisdom is, is having a full and complete understanding of a situation physically, philosophically, biblically, theologically. This is why fear, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. We are wise when we begin to understand how everything around us works itself out from the hand of its creator according to the dictates of his word. We are wise when we understand these things and begin to behave accordingly. We are not wise until action meets knowledge. How about the word encouragement? What is encouragement? Is it, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And the traditional answer is, I'm fine, right? Is it, you look really nice today, or, or you did a great job on that project, congratulations. Is it a text message, or is encouragement going on Facebook and hitting like on everything you see just to encourage everybody you have on Facebook? Or does it run deeper than that? As we'll see in our passage today, biblical encouragement does include words. But it goes far beyond just words. It's, it's a matter of being a part of a body. And not just any body, but a body drawn together by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a bloodline that runs deeper and is richer than mere physical bloodlines. We are a body with a divinely implanted interest in one another as we share together in one spirit. That, that spirit of God who lives in each of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Those who have accepted his sacrifice on the cross as the sacrifice in our place that our sins could be forgiven before a holy and perfect God. 
That spirit abides in every single person here who has accepted Jesus Christ. That blood ran for every single person here. And that blood knits us together as a body. Today, as we read about Paul encouraging the believers, let's remember what he tells us about the church body. And as we, we, we understand that body concept, let's consider that it's, it's not just a, a theoretical concept, but that body is right here. Consider those around you. Those sitting way in front of you, those sitting far behind you, if you're left to your right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 27, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think much less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God, two of the most beautiful words in Scripture, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you, Alden Union Church, you are the body of Christ, and individually, members of it. In our passage in Acts today, we're going to find that encouragement, biblical encouragement, is intentional, intentional fellowship. It is intentional fellowship gathering around God's Word. Intentional fellowship gathering around God's Word and actively, tangibly caring for one another. Biblical encouragement is intentional fellowship gathered around God's word and really actively, tangibly caring for one another. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. We're going to start at verse 1. 
Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 1, it says, After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews, he was about to set sail for Syria. He decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater, the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long time a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. After the uproar ceased, what is the first thing that Paul does? Verse 1, after the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples. And after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. The first thing that Paul did was he sent for the disciples so that he could encourage them, right? See, biblical encouragement is intentional. It reaches out on purpose to build up someone else. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 12. Paul says to the Corinthians, strive to excel in building up the church. In that particular passage, they're talking about having all these great spiritual gifts like speaking in tongues. And he says, yeah, 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 there's all that, but strive to excel in building up the church. All that stuff doesn't matter as much as building up the church. Strive to excel in this. So what did Paul do? Paul didn't wait in a room and and twiddle his thumbs and say, I wonder who's going to come and see me today. If anybody's really interested, I guess they'll come. Paul didn't wait to see who might come to him. He sent for them. He, He strove to excel in building up the church. He invited them to spend time with him. He wanted them around him. He wanted to share time with them. And so he did. He sent for them on purpose. Verse 2. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. See, Paul made his travel plans on purpose. He, He intentionally wanted to pass through certain areas where they had planted churches. Why? 
so that he could spend time with them and encourage them. We discussed this last week, that we need to plan concretely how we can intentionally take the gospel message out to the rest of the world. Because if we don't plan concretely how we're going to do that, it doesn't just fall out of us naturally, does it? And in much the same way, when it comes to our family and Christ, those people who are here in this room with you right now, we need to intentionally plan to build up and encourage one another. We, we, we live in a world now where the social life isn't so much gathered together, is it? We think we have a social life when we're sitting in a room all by ourselves on a computer. I think this desire to encourage one another needs to become a, a part of who we are in Christ, in as much as we share together in the Spirit of God. One Spirit, one Lord, one baptism. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So, if, and this is a rhetorical if, which is really, of course there is any encouragement in Christ. There is comfort from love, participation in the Spirit. If you're participating in the Spirit, have any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. How are we intentionally planning on encouraging one another? Who can you send for? Send an invite. Come on over. Let's have lunch. Let's have coffee. Let's have dinner. Who, who can you plan on seeing? Who can you go just a little out of your way on your daily drive home from work or whatever and plan on being there and seeing them, spending time with them? How can we arrange our weeks in order to be here in this place on a Sunday morning in order to encourage the body of Christ right here because the Christian life is more than a head knowledge. It's more than an academic assent to the truth that God is. See, the Christian life, it, biblical encouragement is premeditated and intentional seeking to build up somebody else. And it comes out of fellowship. Verse 7, on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread. They gathered together to break bread. We discussed this before. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 46, it says, And they, the early church, early on, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. There is more to this Christian walk than just coming on a Sunday saying, yes, God, I know you're God, 
God and then going about the rest of our week. If that's what we think Christianity is, you're wrong. There's something special about eating together. Breaking bread. Sharing in somebody else's food that they've worked hard for. They've worked hard to be able to put that food on the table. And they're saying, come, eat with me. Eat of my earnings. Eat of what I can give to you. Sharing in life together, there's something about it that draws us closer together as we sit around the table and we talk about about life and we we share what the kids are doing now and how they're doing in school and we say, how's your uncle or, or how's your blood pressure doing today? It's through the roof, but hey, that's okay. As we share in praying for one another, as we share in how God is working in our lives, we need to seek out fellowship opportunities. Don't just wait for somebody else to do it. Seek it out. Be the one who steps outside your comfort zone and reaches out to somebody else instead of the one who sits there in the room saying, nobody's reaching out to me. I'm getting grumpy about it, right? We need to seek out fellowship opportunities, just like Paul did with the Romans. It was one thing to write a letter, right? It's, one, it's really neat to get a letter in the mail, isn't it? Especially these days. But, but Paul was not satisfied with a text or a tweet. He knew that he wouldn't really be able to share with them the way he wanted to until he was in their physical presence. Romans chapter 1, he says to them, For I long to see you, He's, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Yes, he was writing to them a letter, and that was good, but it wasn't enough for him. That wasn't real fellowship to Paul. He knew that he and they needed fellowship, that face-to-face, loving them by looking them in the eye, seeing them as a person, getting to know who they are. Are you ready to step outside your comfort zone? Because that's what we need to start doing here at Alden Union Church intentionally fellowshipping with somebody else in your church family? Have you invested yourself yet in a small group? Have you found one to jump into? Maybe right now you feel like, well, I don't really need a small group. I'm doing okay. Maybe you don't need them right now. Maybe they need you. And maybe one day you will need them. Do you have those people in your life that you share life with? We need to, because biblical encouragement is intentional fellowship gathering around God's word. Verse 7 again. On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. Intending to depart on the next day, he prolonged his speech until midnight. That word where it says Paul talked with them. It's It's that fancy Greek word, dialogue from which we get our word dialogue. It's a a discussion, right? It's It's a talking together, a sharing in discussion. And you can be pretty sure that with Paul sitting there with them, guiding the discussion that they they talked about God's word and just how the gospel message integrates with our lives. Verse 9. 
It says, and a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And that word for talked, again, it's that word dialogue. They were talking, and then they were talking some more. Verse 11, it says, and when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And that word's a little different. He conversed with them. It's the word homily from which we get our word homily. And it's, it's an exposition. It's a preaching. Homiletics is the word we use for the art of preaching. And so what Paul did is, is he opened up God's word and, and, and he talked to them about what God's word is. And, and that word originally, that word homily, um, it, it's to, a word meaning to agree on a position. In this case, to bring ourselves into agreement with God's word. Their fellowship, in this case, wasn't just, how's the weather in Jerusalem? They shared in conversation, and at least some portion of it was Paul gathering them together around God's word in order to bring them in agreement with what God has told them. Romans chapter 15. For whatever was written, Scripture, in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's word has been given to us as an encouragement. It is designed to give us knowledge and wisdom and hope. In it is contained the promises of God for his people Israel and for the church. Promises of his everlasting love and eternal life in the resurrection of Jesus Christ promises that whatever is going on, he will never leave you or forsake you. Promises of restoration, security, and salvation. One of the greatest encouragements we can give to one another is to share in God's word together. Building one another up into maturity in Christ so that we begin to see how the truth of God's word works itself out in our lives in his creation. And the more we intentionally fellowship, together gathered around God's word, the better we will know one another and be able to actively, tangibly care for one another. Verses 3 through 6. There he spent three months when a plot was made against him by the Jews. As he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater, the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. When this plot was made against Paul, because Paul sent for people, because Paul spent time with people, because Paul encouraged other believers, 
Paul was not alone, was he? He had Sopater, Aristarchus, Secundus, Gaius, Timothy, Tychicus, Trophimus, and he also had Luke, right? Did you notice that us and we language coming back into the passage here? And because of their mutual encouragement of one another, the time they spent together sharing life, these guys knew Paul's needs. And they knew what was going on, that this plot had come against him. And so some went ahead to prepare the way. Others stayed with him. And they all made sure that he was safe and cared for, that the gospel would be able to continue going out through Paul, their brother in Christ. They were there for him, able to care for him. Verses 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer, and being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, taking him in his arms, said, do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up, broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. Eutychus died. But because Paul was there, with them because he saw the problem and was present verse 10 but paul went down and he bent over him and took him in his arms it's really hard to take somebody in your arms and pray over them with a text message or an email can you see it eutychus did what i am h-o you should pray hard lol smiley face right it doesn't work it's not the same. We've got to be there. Biblical encouragement consists of the body using its varying gifts to care for one another, to build one another up. Being there. To lift burdens and care for felt and physical needs. Verse 12, it says that uh, they took the youth away alive and were not little comforted. That word for comforted is a, the same word that has been used throughout the passage for encouragement. They were not a little bit encouraged. They were encouraged immensely by what Paul had done, being there, caring, hands-on, because Paul was there, they were encouraged. This is biblical encouragement, investing in each other's lives. Intentional fellowship, gathering around the Word of God and actively, tangibly caring for one another's needs. Do you get the feeling that we've been hearing this before? Acts chapter 1, verse 14. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to the prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. All of them gathered together. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, worshiping, right? Chapter 2, verses 42 to 46, we read it earlier. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. They shared in everything. They took care of each other. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
day by day going to temple together, breaking bread together. Chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. When they were released, they went to their friends, reported that the chief, what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard of it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They were praising God and praying to him together. And you know what happened there in that place? The place was shook. Chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but had everything in common. Chapter 5, verse 42. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ the Christ is Jesus. And we could go on and on from this book of Acts, just this book of Acts, citing examples of the church encouraging and being encouraged. This is a major function of the body of Christ. Sharing the gospel with a world that is lost and building up and encouraging one another. If we walk away from this book of Acts, and we don't find ourselves actively reaching out to each other more than ever to build up and to encourage one another, fellowshipping in prayer, conversation around God's word, sharing together in food and life, actively caring for one another. If we aren't doing these things, if we read this word of God and don't see a very real heart change, that puts itself on display, not just in our words, but in the things that we do towards one another. If we don't act on these things, we have not been listening to what God has told us throughout this book of Acts. We've got to change. We've got to love. I can be all kinds of wonderful things. I can be the greatest theologian you've ever seen. But if I have not love. I am nothing, and that is in accord with God's word. This is what it is to be a body of Christ. So I'm going to ask you just one more time. Well, maybe not just one more time. But I'm going to ask you again to, to step outside your comfort zone. Don't let yourself walk out the doors until you have loved on somebody before you go. Find somebody you don't know that well. Find somebody you don't normally talk to and, and invite them to Bible school with you. That's where you're going right now, right? Find somebody and say, hey, come with me. And maybe they'll say, oh, I'm already going to that class. Good. Share that with each other. Love on each other. Practice makes perfect, right? Practice here. And then take that out with you into the world. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for this family in Christ that you have given us, and I pray, Father, that you would build us up. And Lord, we know every church has things going on, things that need to change. We need to grow in maturity, and I pray, Lord, that you would make us a church that is seeking you, that is seeking to grow in our walk with you, that isn't just satisfied that isn't ready to be stagnant. But Lord, we want to move. We want to shake. We want this place shaken as we pray to you. We want to have your spirit alive and active in us, changing our hearts and making us more like Christ. Father, I pray that you would do just that in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.